Hey, it's episode nine of Borderline alongside Bernie Neighbors. I'm Jeff McCarriger. And Bernie, I'm proud of you, man, for grinding through the technical issues. You're yeah. doing it on your phone. I don't know what happened to your computer, but uh, it's literally you look, you look still good. spinning. It, it will not upload. It's less than a year old. It won't upload. Could not tell you. Don't know enough about them to fix them. So that is going to have to be fixed, I guess. We're quickly finding out the problems of podcasting, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got a little difficulties, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look good. And the beard, the beard shows up good too, which is Yeah. Um, you know, I actually cut it down. It was getting it was getting pretty long. Really? I actually, I actually had to cut it back yesterday. Yeah, because it it was kind of to that point where it was getting really aggravating. Yeah. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you can just you feel it because it's all crumpled and yeah, I don't I don't know how people do the long beards. Yeah, like starts to pull a little bit. Yeah. And I yeah. My skin's kind of weird. Like I can feel everything, you know? So I, I'm like, I, the fact that I have a beard at all is kind of crazy because I can feel it. It gets kind of, you know, I, I've got to make sure my mind is somewhere else. Uh, mine gets a little itchy. Like, yeah. like where oh, mine's at sure. right now is just, you probably can't see it, but it's getting to the point where it's just starting to get a little itchy. And I'm like, hmm, do I want to shave or do I not want to shave? Yeah. I, I thought about, I mean, I, I cut it down yesterday. I, I thought I'd give it a, maybe another month, see how it goes. I like it. I do. Yeah. Like you ready it. for Christmas, man? Here we are. Holiday episode. I know. Woo-hoo. You know what we did? You know what, what Kathy and I did? We actually, we actually went Christmas shopping on, uh, what is today? Today's Monday uh, when we're recording this. So we went on Saturday. The weather was super nice here in Charleston. So we actually went shopping, went to the town center area in Mount Pleasant and, yeah. and actually had, had like, we're walking around with, with, with coffee and Christmas bags. We had a blast. It was actually fun I, to me. I used to I live over there. I used to live over by town center. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel, I feel like the last two or three years, we've just ordered everything on Amazon, right? I mean, right. It's just, everything's just come to the door. So we're like, you know what? Let's, let's like, um, let's just actually go shopping. So we did it. So I don't know if anyone's going to like what we got, but. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I yeah. hate what, you know what? I'm Scrooge. I am. I, Why are you Scrooge? I, I I don't know. Maybe it was a, a weird childhood because, you know, Christmas, like, you know, by the time I was eight or nine, everything was kind of weird. So Christmas was just kind of a reminder that your family was different. I don't, I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, and then you get older and it's not fun. I never had kids, so I didn't have that experience. And I think that ties adults back into Christmas when they have children at least what i've noticed kind of watching my yeah, friends sure. go through it yeah, yeah but true, I, yeah. I didn't have that experience so i it's always just been kind of hassle time you know do you ever want to have kids oh gosh i well you know what this, this i'm 51 I'm, I'm, I'm 51 it's not happening for me unless ah, i find good unless i'm finding some 25 year old i mean i'm in a relationship now that i don't want to get out of so that yeah, would be bi- uh, that would be trouble biologically it is possible for you it's possible for me. It's not possible for the person I'm with. Right. Yeah. Where are you, by the way? Are you in Atlanta or are you in? I'm uh... in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Right, it looks like we might be heading back uh, up towards the uh, Charlotte Rock Hill area in a, in, a, in a year, maybe six months to a year. So, so like moving back. Yeah. Oh, wow. We'll okay, good. We've been talking about it. We'll see. That's probably stuff I shouldn't put out there. Her, uh, her workplace might hear that and get upset. But For so, when they listen to the podcast? Yeah, all, all all ten of our viewers. I, I know at least one of them have to work at that school. Right, right. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, special guest this week uh, for Christmas week. We're kind of yeah. um, 
we're kind of, we're kind of doing a little crossover thing where I mean because th- with this whole new ACL TV platform, there's all kinds of different shows. So we're inviting different people on from different shows. And for those who don't know, Michelle Thompson and Whitney Ingram both are the co-founders, creators, um, owners of the Girls Throw Two brand and podcast. And it is absolutely amazing what they've done. So yeah, uh, they're actually in the waiting room. We'll bring them on here in just a second. But first things first, did you recover from this week and from the from the colorful? um comments from the draft and everything everything okay I, everything smooth now? I, I actually to be honest you know after careful reflection i'm kind of taking it all as you know constructive criticism the stuff yeah. that is worth being constructive criticism so i mean yeah I, I, i'm okay man I, how are you you didn't well, you know, I, I you, did, know I didn't it this, you know it was upsetting i mean you still got praise from our co-people and our content team i got crickets man crickets yeah, well, that, it that, took that. both of us. So any anything that was directed my way, I'm sure, was also meant for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, trust <laughs> me. You know what? I got a really nice text from Jason McCannon, Fire Cornhole, uh, just the other day. He said, "By the way, just want to let you guys know you did a great job in the draft." So people were listening. There was there was good stuff out there. That's funny. I I, I haven't received any positive praise from the draft. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you it. did. I'm just glad you stop. did. I got that's awesome. <laughs> no, there was there was lots of there was lots of good feedback. Okay, yeah. all right. Without further ado, let's uh, let's imb- bring in Michelle Thompson, Whitney Ingram again, the co-founders, owners, and creators of Girls Throw Two. A lot to break down, a lot to talk about. Hello. So many, so many falsehoods just uttered there by Bernie. Mm, no, I think so. Uh, so have you seen any one of my posts? I, I I saw your I, one post that was fairly nice to Jeff. Ooh. Fairly. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be like a little brother or big brother, little sister type of episode, uh, isn't it? No, no, that was I'm just, <laughs> just playing kind of. All right. Do we, maybe. do we want to start? Do we want to start with the draft just real quick? Just some overall thoughts of the draft. And then we'll move on because I think we've had a ton of draft coverage because, because yeah. I did, I, I really did. I, re- I really don't want to start anything on this or maybe I do. That's that's why I bring it up. But but I, I did. I I know, I, Jeff, I had already moved on, man. This is kind of depressing. We're not, we're not going back. You remember like when people hated on us? Yeah. <laughs> so so real quick, and I'm not. I'm, I'm I'm truly. I'm not just saying this because you guys are on. As you know, you watch the draft coverage, and I said it during the draft. Um, and, and I'm I'm really interested to see how Brett Guy's team turns out. With with you know the the power the power female teams that that he assembled, because you know I again not to beat a dead horse on this, but am I partial to Samantha Finley, Allison Peters, Rosie Streaker, Cheyenne Renner? Um, you know the list goes on of some of the top female players because I see them. Yes, um, I felt I felt like when when Brett was assembling that team. I was getting all geeked up, right? Because he was putting some of the top women's players together. But I felt like I was getting some pushback saying, okay, Jeff, let's take it down a notch. These are good players on the, you know, on the on the women's stage, but let's see how they do once you take all 256 pros. Fair. I don't I don't know if that's fair or not, but I guess I guess my point was if you can play on national television at that high a level and I see them and, and I mean I've gotten to the point now I know what a good bag and what a bad bag looks like. You know, I mean I can t- I can tell when someone's got some skill. And I'm telling you, watching these ladies play, they obviously have tremendous technique. They have they have a, a depth of knowledge into the game that's second to none. And I think regardless of the level, 
they're going to be able to compete. But Whitney, I'll ask you first. I mean, am I wrong on that? I mean, you, I you mean, tell me. You take the first lady picked, Cameron Belvin. She did compete on a broadcast court amongst men and women and got it done, right? So you can't yeah. say that it can't be done or that they can't achieve the same kind of things that any given man out there could do. Um, do I think that there is a mental hurdle that plagues these lady players a little bit more so than the male players? A hundred percent. I think that when a woman goes up to the board, they feel less likely and less confident that they can get it done than any given male does when he walks up to the boards. Um, but hmm. crashing glass ceilings like Cameron did in Atlanta I think is a big piece of this puzzle to make that change. I thought that ladies overall were highly overlooked and um, put to the back burner in this draft, if you ask me. Um, and that's why I'm team sliders this year, because once they finally did start getting picked, Brett Guy was the one to do it the most. All right, Michelle, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I again, I feel like they can compete with anybody across all 256. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I definitely think that they can. I think there is truth to the fact that there is a mental hurdle. And also, I think that putting him in a team type of atmosphere is going to greatly benefit them a lot. Because I know for me as a yes. female, when I throw with more alpha type figures who are supportive and encouraging, I play my best cornhole ever. I think this environment will really breed that. And that if you can see the talent, and know that you are a good coach and leader, that you have some elite talent on your team with those women. Yeah, you know, and that, and that, Bernie, sorry, I don't mean to dominate the conversation here, but that, so that's, good, man. That, that's, I, that's, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Michelle, Michelle, <laughs> you just hit the nail right on the head. And that's exactly, I guess, what I was talking about. Maybe I didn't verbalize that well. Yes, individually, um, could would they be outplayed by some of the top guys in the sport? Maybe. I mean, yeah, is, is there a gap there? Maybe. But as far as teams go, I guess that's probably my biggest point. Maybe I should have said that better during the broadcast, during the draft. As far as teams go, I, I, I would put these ladies, some of these female teams up against anybody. Well, Trey, I think, said it really well when he said... Um, of course he did. He's way smarter than I am. Right? Oh, no, I mean, Trey's just... <laughs> Trey is on a different level than anyone. Um, but he did... You know, when he was talking about how, how many top 10 finishers that Brett got on his team as teams to me definitely is worth noting. Um, yeah. So any, you know, you have a Rosie and a Sam, you know, they can get it done. You have a, uh, I mean, a um, Duncan and a Brandon, they're going to get it done. Like he has the best odds overall, regardless of him taking the most amount of females. I truly believe he's got the best chances of getting this thing won in my well, I think you have to remember that it is a doubles competition and not a singles and I think during the draft a lot of of the captains may have been considering mm -hmm. best players overall best single players but you really want to be looking at the the team and the doubles um energy Absolutely. and atmosphere I think that uh I, I think there's a lot to what you're just saying I mean when you look at how the draft went he was the first captain to think team, team, team. And he was setting up his picks for the next pick to be their partner, regardless of what their position was, say, in the top 126. I mean, 256, excuse me. Didn't you and think it was odd that he chose 
He chose Sam, Megan, Kaylee. He Rosie. knew. He, see, he knew they would be available. Got that's, the th that's the thing. I mean, he wasn't value. The value. I heard you guys say that word. Absolutely. <laughs> He got tons of value because he was getting teams. Now, you know, yeah. talk like going through it, talking with Cheyenne and, you know, some other people that were there off camera, you know, and kind of like they, they felt women were being undervalued, but I mean, what can you do? I mean, gender bias, unfortunately sticks with us every day. As you ladies know, you've dealt yeah, with Cheyenne's it. not even going to be picking the girls. <laughs> I mean, what can we do? Well, um, I mean, well, you know, but the thing is Cheyenne, I think was kind of backed into a corner. And, you know, what, what I, I, I thought her, she got real honest and vulnerable on around the ACL last she, week. I, I think, but what, my original point was, I think Brett was the first captain mm -hmm. to use that. I'm going by team, team, team concept. And you can tell the second day, the second half of the second day, every other captain started copying <laughs> him. They realized, oh, wait a minute. This isn't just for fun. He's actually doing this properly. Because mm -hmm. like, every pick he made, he made in mind that they could play with someone else. Absolutely. Right. I want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and he was the first one to do it. And I, mean, I think Eric Anderson came on and mentioned that he thought he could put people together, but he wasn't selecting them as teams. He just felt, oh, they play the same kind of bag. They throw. He's like, I think I can put these people together, even though they weren't teams. Brett was just saying, I'm taking teams. And I know that I can take the top player of each team because I'm going to have the chance to get the second player of their team two, three rounds from now. What and was so the energy actually, like in person there, y'all? I thought it was awesome. I mean, oh, it was we amazing. Were, yeah, we were we were busy. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it was. Uh, it Whitney, was, it, was it was so much cool. fun to be a part of, and the best word yeah. that I that I could could come up with is exhilarating. I mean, it really was. I mean, to to yes, it was a small scale, but I mean, Trey had this the set that we had for this broadcast was amazing. You know, with the actual big screen smart board, yeah, it and the fact so that they were legit. interactive. Yeah, and, and the fact that we had the couch, you know, so it actually kind of looked, you know, I mean, we actually had, you know, a place where the host could be, and then and then to look beyond all of that into the into the main room and see all the war room tables that were set up, you know, with balloons and everything, and to see, you know, all the guys and you know and their teammates. I mean, all I mean, they literally all look like NFL general managers sitting there, you know, <laughs> know. writing things down, talking know. on the I was, phone. I mean, it was, I was really amazing. Surprised by seeing. The captains talk to each other so much with papers in their hand. Absolutely. Um, like I was like, what are they sharing with each other? Isn't this like a dog eat dog mentality? I I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. But it was I guess they were just like swapping strategy. Who knows? We yeah, want to own a team, fun. Misha and I. <laughs> and, and it was cool. And I have to say, Bernie, to maybe wrap up this segment for you. It was highly, highly entertaining. And that speaks to mm -hmm. both you and Jeff. Absolutely. And I heard about your pants. Sorry about that. That was hilarious. <laughs> well, I was trying. You know, I've, I've gained a, a couple of pounds here recently. So what used to fit no longer fits. And I found that oh. out. I found that out quickly on that Saturday. <laughs> that was that was so funny. I mean, he, here we are. I mean, just grinding away. Right. I mean, it moves. It, even though even though we were on the air for almost 10 hours, it, it actually moves fast. And, yeah, you know, I mean, we really like even during the commercial breaks, that was a time to organize and say, OK, what are we going to do next? What's coming up next? Who's picking next? Who are they possibly going to pick? I mean, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. And yeah. of all the things that were said, all of a sudden, Bernie's like, oh, shit, I just ripped my pants. <laughs> I mean, y'all even get bathroom breaks. It, it seems like we you had were to nonstop. Run. We had yeah. to run. 
We had to run during commercial breaks, which were two that, minutes. That's, that is dedication. <laughs> dedication, guys. That was. It was. It, it made me so mad at one point because they delivered a bunch of pizza for everyone that was there. And oh, so yeah, everyone, I heard you say they're all the eating over there. Staff, like Ghostfinger, <laughs> Michael Caine probably had eight uh -huh. pieces of pizza. And we oh, haven't burn. had a chance to eat. And I was like, wow, y'all can't just grab us something. Just y'all go to work. Get off under the table. <laughs> yeah, under the camera. A little, little something for the effort. Just something. Oh, Bernie, Bernie oh. got the red ass big time. Oh, big time. <laughs> like, y'all hungry? Y'all good? It's, it's good. Glad everybody's doing well over there. Yeah, glad everybody's eating. <laughs> got plenty of food. Nice. Yeah. All right, all right, we got to move on. Believe it or not, we're already like 15, 20 minutes into this thing. We haven't even gotten yep. to, to why we wanted to have you guys on. So again, so for those who don't know, Whitney and Michelle have started a brand, a podcast called Girls Throw 2. And it, it's it's become so much more than just that. But, you know, and I'm not sure how many podcasts you guys have been on to talk about how this started. I'm not sure how many of our players know. I mean, there's 256 pros plus, you know, the hundreds of others who are trying to become pros. I'm not sure how much they know about how this started, but, but, you know, Whitney, I mean, do you mind starting? I mean, if you can just Absolutely. give us just the cliff nose version of why you guys started this, because I'm not sure you guys were, were big cornhole players growing up or anything. Were you? No, not at all. Um, I think that our story mimics a lot of the women's out there is we got into the sport because of the male in our life. My husband really loved playing. We started playing in the backyard. As he got better, he wanted to get more competitive and not just beat me and his daughters. So we started going to leagues. He wanted me to join him. I just researched for content for women or beginners so I could feel a little bit more prepared to join him out there on that journey. And there was nothing saw a need then i'll kick it to you mish who what happened then <laughs> <laughs> she posted on facebook she was looking for women who are into cornhole i was just starting to get into it more competitively literally like a couple weeks before i saw the post and we talked and we clicked and i already have been running businesses for the past you know 12 years so I was like, this sounds fun. <laughs> so dove in with her and here we are. And we both have broadcasting backgrounds to some extent. Well, um, which helps. But, but media, media background. Media backgrounds. And I will say that nowadays, if you want to get any kind of audience out there, podcasting tends to be the way to go. Mm -hmm. So that's how Girls Throw 2 podcast show came about. And then thanks, thankfully, Trey, believed in us, noticed us and believed in us very early on, two months into this journey, and offered a us a content sharing partnership deal, which we, of course, embraced. And now we could not be happier to be part of this ACL family. Yeah, it. and you guys really? literally cover coast to coast. For those who don't know, Whitney, I think, as we speak, I think you're in Annapolis. And Michelle, I you're am. in California, in, in Northern California, right? Sacramento area, yep. I think? Yep, exactly. Sacktown. Yeah. But I should say Jeff and Bernie are my guys because Jeff, uh, Bernie is in Atlanta, my born and raised. Jeff's in Charleston, where I went to college. So we were all and meant to be together. So I'm not into either. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm jealous of Jeff's in Charleston still. I'm super jealous. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good place to be this time of year. You don't want to be down here in uh, July, as you know, Bernie. You don't want to be down here in July, August, or see, I, yeah, I loved it. It's I not loved the heat; it's the, the humidity. 
Yes. How many times do you hear that in Charleston? <laughs> and the bugs. It's the bugs that are yeah, so yeah. bad. Everything. Yeah. Are they called palmetto bugs? Yeah, well, you can get carried away by one of those things. They fly. Yeah, they yeah. they look like they look like like they look like uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of of cockroaches. cockroaches. But yeah. the difference is they'll fly and they'll fly right at you and they'll hit yeah. you in the forehead and it yeah, makes you scream. They're not scared of you. <laughs> the gnats, the nociums, as the locals call them, oh, the gnats were so bad. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, so Michelle, there's I think, lots of positives about Charleston too. Just for the yes. record. <laughs> no, I was going to say I love it this time of year. I absolutely loved going to the beach. In November, December, January, February, no one's out there. It's really peaceful. I loved it this time of year. And the food is amazing. Like, like oh, when we yeah. walk down when we walk downtown King Street. I mean, it just smells amazing. I mean, it really. Well, that's is. different. It used to smell like a sewer back when I lived there. So they've they've changed Probably. that. Yeah, you got to be careful. You can take a turn down an alley on a on a bad day with <laughs> with uh, the wind in the wrong direction. That does not smell nice. No, yeah. I, I agree with you. All right. So, so, uh, Michelle, I I think you have a really interesting background and, um, I'm not sure how much you want to share about your background, but, but the fact that you were a wellness expert and, and the fact that you have this media background and the fact now that that girls throw two has become such a big platform for you, it seems like you've been able to kind of merge all of these interests that you've had, um, and it seems it just seems like it's been a perfect fit for you because as Bernie and I have touched on sometimes wellness wellness whether physical or mental is obviously becoming a huge topic of discussion for cornhole. I hope. I mean, yeah, I never thought it would merge and I couldn't figure out how to merge it at first and I had a conversation with Whitney like my brain is not like figuring it out. I can't I can't figure out how to put all this together, which meant I was being pulled in millions of directions with all this because I was in the PhD program for psychology. I was doing girls throw too. And I was doing the OM Institute, which was my yoga weight loss business. And I couldn't do any of them really well, all separated like that. So then I finally figured out how to make it make sense all as one. And that's why we're, we're starting. We thrive to as kind of a spinoff of the more like coaching, coaching, personal development, wellness side um, to the cornhole stuff. Um, and I just, I'm at my dissertation for my PhD and I was honest with myself, like, I cannot possibly do a research project right now. I just can't. Who needs school? Whitney needs you. <laughs> no, I'll do it. I'll do it eventually. <laughs> uh, but I realized that there is no rush for me to complete it. Um, I got all the coursework done for my PhD. And I will do the dissertation when I actually have some time and energy to do it. And it could be two years from now. But I'm, I'm at peace with that at this point. Yeah, to be honest, um, you guys with the We Thrive 2 thing, Michelle and I were just dedicating so many hours a day to this cornhole thing. And eventually we just looked at each other and we were like, why are we doing this again? Like, what? why are we so passionate about this? It can't possibly be that we just really want more women out there throwing backs because it doesn't, like the balance of effort put in for that cause doesn't make sense. And then what we realized is that we really are passionate about helping women live their best lives and families thrive. And we truly feel organically that cornhole is one solution in order to help that happen It for many different reasons in many different ways. And so um, then when we were when we realized that we were like, uh, OK, this is how we mesh up Misha's coaching and wellness background makes sense because it's all part of 
helping women live their best life. Well, there was two things that all of my clients were missing when they were on their weight loss journey, because I never look at the, we don't look at the obvious food exercise stuff because that's what everybody looks at. I always go to a different direction. And there were two things I kept seeing over and over and over. And that's what it was lack of connection and lack of soulful hobbies. And it was conversations I was having with them for years. Like we've got to find something else for your life to focus on besides what your body looks like. Like we cannot be obsessed with how many carbs we're eating and how many calories are burning. Your life has to be about something else. And, 100%. And I would, I would struggle with them to find something for them to focus on. Maybe, uh, what are your hobbies? Like, well, I don't know, my mom, I read books. I don't you know, do they much. Really have, and then it was connection. I don't really have any friends. I don't really have a community. I just have my my kid and my husband. And it's not even that healthy of a, of a household sometimes. And that's why when I was like, oh my God, like, hello, cornhole, soulful hobby, connection, community. Like it's everything. It's the solution, like wrapped up in a little bow. And the other thing is we, a lot of times use our bodies as a way to achieve. Like if I look a certain way, then I can look like I'm achieving something in life. Like I achieved a six pack Mm -hmm. or I achieved exercise seven days a week. And I don't believe it's a healthy way to achieve. I think that we could achieve other things. And cornhole also allows you to compete and achieve at something that's, I think, more healthy than whether or not you have, you know, big biceps. Yeah. I mean, my husband is fundamentally more attracted to me if I get three out of four bags in the hole than if I wear some like really cute dress and look tiny skinny. I'm just saying, I mean, and that's true. So uh, I'll take that. It's more fun to do the, try to figure out how to do the, the former. I've got, I've got a question for you then, Michelle. Yeah. Let's say you're a middle-aged man who's got <laughs> okay. some knee problems and can't exercise the way they once could. And mm-hmm. they're having an issue because they used to be the kind of person that could kind of, if they needed to take off 10 pounds, they could easily take off 10 pounds without even thinking about it. I know that comes with age, but this person's getting really frustrated because they can't really work out and do the stuff they used to do to burn those calories what do I tell my friend and how do I, and how, how do I get Just that friend, human. How, how, yeah, how do I get that friend to lose weight again? Because it used to be well, fairly easy and now it is not. Well, here's the good news. Cause everybody, like I said, always focuses on food and exercise. And those are two components you could focus on, but there's a bunch of other things that you could focus on that also equal weight loss. Like, connection and community, like our soulful hobbies, like I said, but it's also how your body feels. It's also how you feel mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like there's so many components that go into weight loss that if you remove the food exercise for a moment and we're like, well, what's the environment inside of my body? I give the example of like a business. So like (laughs) your body is the employees. You, Bernie, are the CEO of your body. Like, how are you treating your weight loss department, your employees? Are you nice to it? Are you creating an environment? I am, I, I am not up? a very good CEO. No. <laughs> okay. So that is a great place to start, right? So people get so hyper on food and, and weight and food and exercise. And it's like, before you even look at that, like, let's talk about the environment inside the body that you're putting in this food and exercise into. And is it even ready for that? And if not, like, there's so much work you could do there. And then everything else kind of falls into place after that pretty naturally. To me, it's a whole different mentality than we've all been bred to think when it comes to weight loss. And I would have typically been somebody who shunned this type of like, just let your body have what it needs type of approach. That's just not me by (laughs) nature. 
But because Michelle subtly ingrained things in me off air, not trying to day by day, because we spend so much of our day together on Zooms, I started just organically doing what she was saying. And I've seen massive results. So I am now a believer. I was not though, Bernie. So I, I, I ask you to trust her method well, because what it works. I, it's just hard because I have to tell my friend that things aren't <laughs> going to be as easy for them as they used to be. And they, seem to have, and they seem to have difficulty with that because I've noticed that friend has put on 20 pounds and it <laughs> seems like a hurry. Don't you dare say anything to your friend, okay? Uh, no, yeah. it's it's not true. It's I, not actually I, I, positive vibes. I tell my friend every day that he needs to lose those twenty pounds. That's certainly not going to help. Um, hyper. I'm not going to have a friend much longer. By the way, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of stuck with me. But one thing I will say about the age argument, because we hear that one all the time, I don't actually believe that it's harder with age. I think that the body becomes less tolerable of your BS. So the more years you keep doing things it doesn't like, it's mm -hmm. like less willing to deal with it. So things look harder, but it's your mm -hmm. body basically putting its foot down and being like, I deserve yeah. better and I'm not going to take your shit anymore. So like, unless you start doing this better, I'm I'm done working with you. It's like Jimmy <laughs> so. McGuffin's back, right? He he worked, he, he put it through stress, put it through stress, put it through stress. It, it held up until it didn't. That's what you're... Yeah. Friends. Yes, but Body that could be helped doing... through surgery. I don't think this can really be helped through surgery. That's oh, no, my that. it's way easier than surgery. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it doesn't so, I, well, I guess I, mean, I wish I could just get some surgery. surgery, but that's not healthy either. Yeah, I wish my friend could get some surgery and that 20 pounds would just go away. Well, here's yeah, that would be much easier. things are not long lasting. Well, you can't get surgery for this, but the good news is whatever it is that you do have to do to make this happen will enhance your life in so many other ways that you never mm -hmm. saw coming that it will be well worth it because you like, for me, I've had to learn to slow down. I've had to learn how to be more peaceful, more calm. I've had That's to learn what to I was be more say. My guess is Bernie needs to slow down. <laughs> so, right, so I'm, right, so I'm confused. To so, value himself a little better. But, you know, anyway... <laughs> I think that like not having like, you know, cause my friend's body used to be pretty decent as far as what it could do. <laughs> and now it really can't do a lot of things. And I think uh -huh. that's kind of depressing for that person. It's hard. And I, it and, I, and I tell him, you know, it's, Hey, it's throwing right. more bags. Well, it's the lesson in change, right? That does so, nothing for me, unfortunately. No, most people don't like change. So you're going to have to accept that life changes and things look different and you're going to have to. That sounds to like <laughs> sorry sorry all right, we're not so, all right i've got all right i've got i've got two questions one for michelle one for whitney so michelle so i'm confused so why, why th this you make this sound like it's super easy so like what are yeah. the core what are the core fundamentals and philosophies that you're using for people like when you're trying to help bernie's friend yeah. <laughs> uh, achieve, achieve seriously. Like, what 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 are the core principles and foundations that that you coach to try and achieve this? Yeah, I mean, the main principles: mindfulness theory, uh, self determination theory. Those are the two main theories I use. Mindfulness theory because there's so much research that shows that when you are more mindful when you're eating when you're moving, you have much better results. So you don't actually have to change much there. You just become more mindful when you're doing them, and things just change automatically for you. Plus, we know that mindfulness. Uh, actually changes at the brain level 
So it's permanent types of changes. So I use that one. Self-determination theory is about these three components of autonomy, competence, and relatedness. You can look it up. It's really fascinating. But anyways, when you don't have autonomy and you don't feel like you're competent and you don't have relatedness slash connection, then you will lose motivation for something really quick. And it goes deeper into intrinsic and extrinsic and external motivations and that all, and I can go down a rabbit hole with that. But the point is (laughs) that you have to fulfill all these other human needs of yours. You cannot cast them aside to lose weight. You have to actually go, what do I need? I need more connection. Okay, well, then that's more important than how many carbs I'm eating. I need to feel Mm -hmm. more like I'm achieving something in life. I need to feel more fulfilled. I need to feel more purposeful. Like you have to actually identify these needs and, and go after those. And the only way to do that is to let go of the obsession with your body, which is why I think cornhole is like a beautiful distraction from like obsessing over that because you can achieve in all these different ways and you can connect and all these beautiful things. So it it's easy in the sense that it's an effortless process that the body does for you, just like it heals wounds and broken bones. Like the weight loss is something that's happening for you, but the hard part is getting out of the way and actually doing things in your life that Mm -hmm. need to happen to live a better life. Cause we've been trained our entire lives to think very counter well, then you we know, control it. To what you're and saying. And we yeah. control it. Yeah, and yeah. we don't And control Bernie, it. my question is to your friend, mm-hmm. why <laughs> does this person want to lose 20 pounds? Why is that so important to them? Because what I have found is that weight and body image used to matter a lot more to me when I was a stay-at-home mom, like searching for purpose um, and didn't really have any kind of things to fill the void of, you know, what I was passionate about. Then mm-hmm. hence came Girls Throw Two. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I don't care nearly as much about my weight, guys. <laughs> I would say that my friend is really vain and just wants to look and feel better. Oh, I can go down a whole <laughs> rabbit hole with you, but we don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is great though. This is, this is a great transition. That, and 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 waiting, I want to start with you on this. So I'm not I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. Um, does it? I'm going to start this question with how much because I think I know the answer. But how much? does, um, I mean, the, the, all the exposure with cornhole, right. And with all the female players that we have and the fact that they're on ESPN and CBS and NBC a lot, right. So now they're exposed out there. I mean, we all know there's no filters. I mean, TV podcasts, all this, there's no filters. I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, with what you say, with how you look. <laughs> so how much, how much has this mattered? How much have you heard? How much pressure are the female players if any, but how much pressure are they feeling right now about their about their physical wellness now that they're on TV? Um, I think Cornhole is unique in that a lot of the female players we have in this sport are just confident by nature beasts, you know? Um, so I don't think maybe you see it as much as you would in some other sport or genre of life. Um, I, I, I am motivated and inspired by our lady players every day because of how just self-confident they seem. And, you know, I heard you and Bernie talking about in the beginning, like, like, you know, what you guys went through with the draft. If you're not having haters, you're doing something wrong, in my opinion. And so I think that what's cool about these cornhole females is that they, they adopt that mentality and they just don't care. So good for them. Um, as far as I go, people say all the time, why are you always wearing a hat? No, I'm not bald, but guess what? You see me from this far up. 
<laughs> and I'm trying to brand. So like, I, I don't care how I look, it's purpose driven. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so I think that just, just what's the bottom line? Why do we care about things? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do things matter to us? Michelle has really, really, really helped me over this past eight months tap into that. And it's fundamentally changed who I am as a person for the better, in my opinion. Michelle, are you, are you hearing the same thing or anything different from female players now that they're getting national TV exposure? Man, I don't know if if it will happen. I just feel like our culture, our cornhole culture, just doesn't breed that type of conversation mm -hmm. like like maybe a dance culture would or something. I just don't think people care. I don't think people are obsessing over what people look like or what their weight is. I think we have this really unique space. That's why I love it so much because there really just is room for everybody and nothing, it's not appearance focused, but nobody's walking in a room like, wow, like you look so great. I love your shoes. I mean, maybe they do say, cause we have a whole, Hey dude, obsession kind of, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, it's not about that. It's not about, okay, let me give you an example. Cause I come from the yoga world and in the yoga world, that's supposed to be so grounded. So, you know, rooted and so peaceful and calm. Like if you're not wearing the right brand leggings that are $150, like there's, a there's Bingy. a conversation happening. It's yep. very, it is, it can get like wrapped Lulu up. Lululemon like, oh, or go home. Yep. Yeah. Oh, those well, are like Target. Like hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to ruin everybody's time here. From, from talking and hearing the conversations with marketers, let's say, advertisers, the two most marketable players that we have Kaylee are Kaylee Hunter, Hunter and Ryan, Ryan Smith. Smith. Why is that? Well, yeah. To the, to the, okay. to the rest but of the world. To the but rest the of the world, but, isn't that, the but I mean, isn't that part and parcel necessary? Which is why Michelle says she thinks it it might change, like the way I these women could feel change. could yeah. change over time as this sport gets more mainstreamed. Of course, that's that's a, a risk of of going to a bigger audience. Um, that being said, my mom, you know, likes me to look fancy, and I was like, Mom, if I showed up to commentate looking like Aaron Andrews. You know, I, at a cornhole event, like people would be like, ew, you know, like it's just, it doesn't fit into our norm. And I love that about the sport. Will that change? Possibly. I hope not. It probably, it probably will. I, my prediction is that it will, um, but yeah. I'm loving our little protective bubble that we have right now. It will burst. <laughs> it's not going to be this way forever, but I'm loving where we're at. And if, if we can do anything to continue and and push away that kind of mentality that is so physical focused then i will be really excited about that look i'm not i'm not saying i agree with it or like it i'm just saying that's what oh, you yeah. hear and that's sure. i mean you know jeff can eat jeff also doesn't hear what they say in the you know in the trucks when we have tupelo raycom you know they don't get to hear mm -hmm. that because they're too busy you know well, actually i predict that will change too i think the biggest problem that cornhole players are having is that they're all looking in the same little tiny pond for their sponsorships. Um, I think as they start to tap into who they are individuals as individuals mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like uh, Deborah Odom or Sheila Roy should go after an entirely different brand than a Kaylee Hunter sure. for sponsorship. Um, yes. And I think if you do that, you organically have to be less, you have to change less about yourself in order to, you know, thrive and make, make that marketable the other, money. 
then the other thing yeah. that probably would have to be important is that the people who are at the top of the game, if they don't, as long as they don't all always look the same, then we should be be fine if you start to notice like everyone at the top of the game has the same kind of body or physique or look you're going to start to see this divide happen um but as long mm -hmm. as we keep having all sorts of different looking people bodies and physical things right which is the coolest thing about cornhole oh, right well you it's funny 50 cornhole players together and ask a random stranger what do these people have in common nobody's guessing that they all play the same pro sport well it's funny you say that because you have the tiger woods of vacation of golf if you mm -hmm. go back before Tiger Woods and you looked at professional golfers, they looked like me. They looked like someone's dad playing on a weekend round. Ten years after he makes the tour, John Daly? almost <laughs> every player, 5'10 to 6'1, thin, athletic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's completely yeah, different. Now. Yeah, it's shifted, hasn't it? Yeah, you're it's, not wrong. It's completely different. And, and you wonder, you know, God, you know, what if a Ryan Smith becomes the best player in the game? And then all of a sudden, yeah. the money changes. D then does everyone say, all right, this is what it's going to take? You know, and like, and you wonder, like, does that, is so that, I don't think Ryan Smith is as marketable just because of his appearance. I think he's marketable because he can appeal to so many diversified target audiences. Yes, Whitney, that is true, but his appearance helps. Oh, yeah. I yes. mean, it never hurts we to be pretty. Pretend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess that's, that's where I, I mean, Maybe I'm beating around the bush, but I mean that—that's what I'm talking about, guys. Is sex appeal? Absolutely. You know? I mean, I okay. mean that—that's that, what it is. So, so at what it. point? I can what sell point, Kaylee Michelle, Hunter Michelle, to Mattel or Barbie very easily. Yeah, I mean, Michelle. I, I mean, between Kathy and I, we have five kids. Four of them are are uh, girls. So I love what you're saying, you know, and and I, and I love that it's not a part of the sport. I'm wondering. I'm just trying to be realistic here. I'm wondering at what point is it going to become something? And have you guys heard anything like that yet? But apparently you haven't. So that's great. No. I no, also I think, think that's what. Yeah, I think. Isn't it, that I think why it's, it's important to get to know these players, though, as humans? Because how much bigger is your fandom, despite how anyone looks, once you get to know their backstories? Yes. That's what you guys offer. That's what we try to offer. I agree. You know? Absolutely. I mean, you just turn on the TV and you see Kaylee Hunter versus Jamie Graham. You're going for Kaylee Hunter just because she's pretty. But, like, I, I think if you get to know them, that might be different. Your fandom might switch or not. I don't know, but at least it's something bigger than just appearance. Well, and, yeah. this, and this goes back to something that we all talked about before we came on the air. And, and this, this has to be, and I know it is, and, and Bernie, you can speak to this. Uh, kind of getting off topic here, but but... The, the pros have got to learn how to be pros and how to speak well on the air. And I've had conversations with Trey and I know he's already done this of, of having pro seminars, but the pros at this, I mean, for this sport to really grow, regardless of looks, we've got to have personalities. And Media I'm sorry, training. I'm sorry, Absolutely. I'm sorry, but I'll be the one to say it. Trey Birchfield has got to practice on speaking. If he's going to be the number one, if he's going to be the number one player in the world, He's got someone has got to make him feel comfortable when someone like me or someone like, you know, whoever comes up and, and wants to interview him. He just has to. Ryan yeah, I struggled with this because I just thought that was Trey and you can't hate on someone for their personality. Right. But right. then <laughs> Trey came to my house to come throw right before the last Virginia Beach Open and stayed over over. And I got to know him outside of like the regular pro scene. And he's a very fun dude, 
So it's in there. Now yes. I realize how important media training must be. Yeah, I think they need to be taught. And Bernie, I'm sure, well, I know it is. I know it's a point of emphasis because I've talked to Trey and Stacy about it. It is. I, you know, I think it's an innate thing. I mean, obviously, we all seem to be able to talk with each other and in front of a, a camera with, you know, a microphone attached to us and not get too uptight about it. But I think it's innate. I think some people have a complete. Yeah, well, we can't make four beggars. Yeah, they can. <laughs> I think it's, but I mean, I think it's, you know, if you go back and you want to make an analogous to another sport, I think you look at NASCAR in the sixties and seventies, you're, mm -hmm. you're talking about a sport that had, you know, some of the best in the world, you know, just really could not communicate at all. Even if it was redneck ease, Richard Petty came along and could actually talk on a television camera. And overnight things started to change for the sport. I think they don't take it serious yet because it's not reaching numbers. And it's like, well, once it gets big enough, then we'll learn. And it's like, well, to get there, you have to learn first. And I think that's okay, like, a hard step. I, I think, I think, sorry, I, I think that is a terrific point, Bernie. I, mm -hmm. I think, seriously, that is a great point. And, and maybe that's something that we start coaching these players. Don't try to be somebody else from another sport. Don't try to be mm -hmm. Pat Mahomes. Be Trey Birchfield, who plays Cornell. There's nothing wrong with that. Just talk about it. And like, and like I've, I've had conversations with Stephen Bernasette about it because because I know Stephen behind the scenes is trying to get better. And I keep telling him, just talk about what you know. Just tell us what you know. And Michelle, this goes back to maybe something that you can do also to help is help them be mindful and just be comfortable with what they do. Right? I mean, if we can get them comfortable, <laughs> just just in who they well, are and what they're doing. I mean, that that yeah, could that yep. could. I mean, have huge dividends. That is that is what it is. It's, you know, you think about if you have any qualms about your own self-confidence or, or caring what people think, even a little bit, okay, just a normal life, and then you put someone in on a stage or with a microphone or in front of a camera, and you're going to 100 times that feeling of, oh, my God, what is everybody thinking? Am I going to say the wrong thing? The only reason why I feel like the only reason I can say that I'm comfortable I'm actually like more uncomfortable, more comfortable on a stage or in front of a microphone than anywhere else is because I have, I, I, I'm not, I don't care what anybody thinks. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't care. Uh, like, you are so blessed. lucky. We're You're so lucky. I, 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 you know, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, Michelle. You are yeah. so lucky. And I'm maybe I need to talk either. to you. I, I'm, I'm not that way. I'm and not we that had, way. We had Stormy, we had Stormy, um, on what, what, uh, Bernie, a couple weeks ago, yeah, and Storm, Stormy, who's on ESPN, an ESPN sideline reporter, she she suffers just like I do. It's, it's yeah, hard we predicted that TV. with that easy. hate, with that hate y'all got, not hate, but like with that, with that negative, constructive criticism, whatever we want to call it on Facebook, we predicted that that would hit home more with Jeff. Like he would, that would like be a, a knife in the chest more so to him than to Bernie because. You take such pride in everything you do, even though we knew it was completely off balance. Not that you don't, Bernie, but you're a little bit more go with the flow. I am who I am, and it, I would think, right? Somewhat, no? somewhat. No, but I, honestly, what, I, what I happened was the opposite. Not, it, it was what actually, happened with us was that Jeff didn't <laughs> care, and Bernie was was. Well, like well, see, I actually did care. No, no, no. True story. I actually did care. Jeff goes. Jeff tells me, whatever, man. Next shiny thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No, yeah, and I do try That's to keep that in my head well, because, because again, it goes back to having five kids, and I know what kids are like. And yep. and I and it's I the and, end of and, their world. It, this is they're all everything. It's never going to end until 
next week. It's not even until the next day. Yet. Yeah, I mean, I see it with my daughter all the time, right? I mean, there there'd be drama at school, and it lingers onto social media. And then you know, I'll ask her about it a day later. You know, hey, is everything okay with you know whoever, one of her friends? I mention a name just in case, and she'll be like, <laughs> oh yeah, everything's fine. I think yeah, I mean, it's it, about it, high school it's relationships, y'all. High school breakups. Yeah. You were like, my world is ending. That's how you felt, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I can see no no sun in the horizon anywhere. Like, I mean, this is my everything. I remember my mom was like, you're going to look back and laugh at this one day. And I was just like, yeah. this was my soulmate. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, because, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that adolescents, you know, survival is fitting in. I would hope mm -hmm. that as adults, we don't need to fit in to survive. I, I hope we're out of that phase at least. And I guess the yeah. better way for me to say it is because like, there are people I care what they think, but only the people that I care what they think, like my husband, yeah. my close friends, it's a great I way care what they it. think because they, they matter. But strangers to me, let me put it this way. If you're not going to take time to actually get to know me, then your opinion is irrelevant because you don't, you're mm -hmm. just casting a judgment. Yeah. You don't actually yeah. know me. And hey, if any one of you three that says that, that you think I'm doing a bad job, that hurts. Like, like I need to really right. reevaluate. But if somebody no. on TikTok says it, who the hell cares? Well, Jeff's going to tell you, y'all are doing such a bad job. We have to go now. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I hate I hate to bring this to an end. Well, I mean, we'll have to, we'll, well, for sure, please, let's do it again. Because, Michelle, I want to talk to you because I always have this, always have this little – this little demon on my shoulder who's always telling me I'm not good enough. And I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, um, yeah we got 30, all right, 30 oh, seconds. So great, right. both of you. Whitney, hey, just, so just wrap fun. us up real quick. Uh, girls, girls Throw 2 website. We got 10 seconds left where everyone can the find your merchandise. Kidsthrow2.com, wethrive2.com, and we have <laughs> Facebook forums for all three. If it says a two at the end, T-O-O, it's probably us. All right. Oh, yes. Hey, Michelle, Whitney, thank you so much. We for sure we need to do this again. Great job. Love what you guys are doing. Thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.